Shout out to our online uh, viewers. Church, come on, give it to all, give it up for those who watch online. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. I think, um, Andrew told me, maybe I, my numbers might not be right. How many countries are listening to Grace Music? It was like 20 different countries or something. 11. Ele 11, even. <laughs> 11 different countries tune in and watch Grace Music. Isn't that cool? Praise God. Give it up for the worship team. It is. Praise God. We have, we have quite an online following. It's just kind of an anomaly, but uh, God is doing some really cool things. And, so, and we have the uh, Catawba Valley Baseball Stars here uh, this morning, baseball team. God bless you guys. Uh, good to have you out. Uh, we love uh, your coach. He is a, a great, great and dear friend of mine. Give it up for Marvin. Yeah. He's a, he's a real laid-back guy. Uh, not, in, not intense at all, so if you don't feel like doing something, just don't do it. Uh, he'll be all right. You, you'll get along just fine uh, on your trip back home. Uh, <laughs> uh, you want to support the Catawba Valley Stars as well. They have a game today. What time? Oh, it's not in town. Not in town. We'll get a schedule. Their schedule's online. We like to go uh, support them and show up, so uh, it's always a, it's a fun, fun thing. A uh, couple dates really quickly. Uh, June the 23rd, uh, we are going to invade the reservation at Cherokee. And so there's a nighttime service up there at 5 o'clock, and then we're going to do a party in the parking lot afterwards. And so we invite you all to come up. It's early enough if you want to drive back the same night because you have to go to work. Or if you want to spend the night, we can get you uh, contacted with some hotels. It'll be a lot of fun. And then June the 22nd, we are partnering with Duck Graphics to do some things at the Crawdad Stadium the night before. So really busy weekend, and that's the week of VBS. So we got VBS, and then we have the ball game, and then we have Cherokee, and then uh, at least two of us are going to take that Monday off. <laughs> we take every Monday off, so... Uh, God is really good, right? I mean, he's really good. And then we're in the series, Take Heart. And so I want you to know today, last week we talked about faith. Today we're going to talk about overcoming fear, anxiety. We're going to talk about those things in our life that maybe cause us you know, some trepidation. They just, they're things we don't want to handle, things we don't want to tackle, things that, like, I, I'm, how can we do that? And so normally we would stand, but my scripture reading today is a little bit more lengthy than usual. So we're going to give you a pass and we're just going to sit. But I'm coming out of Matthew, the 15th, 14th chapter, and we're going to read verses 22 through uh, 33. I read fairly fast. Uh, I'll try to slow it down, but just go ahead and, and kind of read along. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain on his, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. Everybody say, take heart. Take heart. 
Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for joy and peace and gladness and, and goodness. We thank you, Lord, for redemption and restoration. And thank you, Lord, for this story, Lord, that's more than just Peter walking on water or Jesus uh, calming a storm. It's, it's, it, there's depth here. So help us to reveal and, and deep reach into the depth of this message that we could walk away, Lord, free of fear, free of anxiety free of, uh, Lord, anxiousness, that we can walk in the fullness that is Christ. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement said amen. amen. All right. Praise God. So uh, take heart, and we understand, and we see Jesus here again. We're, we're uh, examining places in Scripture where Jesus said to take heart. He said, take heart, don't be afraid, it is I. He, it's a really profound statement, and it, it's, a, it's a, an ideal here because he doesn't want his disciples to be afraid. He, wants, he doesn't want them to, to walk in fear, just like he doesn't want you to walk in fear, just like he doesn't want you to be afraid, just like he doesn't want you to be anxious for nothing, Paul said. But in all things, prayer and supplication, in fact, Peter said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so the disciples started to get it and started to understand. And we understand and have seen this story before, but there's, there's a few things in the story that we have to understand. The, the scriptures are not necessarily clear. It's like if you tell someone a story, okay, and they may get that story just changed around a little bit. Like my wife will say, we're going up to Charlotte. And I'll say, we're going down to Charlotte because directionally I feel like Charlotte's below us but she but her in her direction we're going up because we're going to have a good day we're going shopping and we're going to go eat and we're going to so we're going to we're going to go up to Charlotte but it's a directional thing well the gospels in this in this regard uh, all but Luke speak of this story but some will say that they left from Bethsaida and they were going to Capernaum some will say they're going from Capernaum to Bethsaida and they and nobody's really clear on it, and they ended in Genesaret. So I want to give you a, uh, I think we have a, a shot of the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and it's a big sea. It's 13 miles long, and it's eight miles across, okay? And so they, they're, they're starting, generally speaking, if you follow some theologians that I follow, they actually started in Capernaum. They were going to go to Bethsaida, which is which would be north, they ended up in Genesaret. So look, look at that picture for a second because I want you to comprehend. Sometimes when we walk through life, things seem so easy, don't they? But we end up in the middle of a storm. It's like, how did I get here? I thought I did everything right. And they follow Jesus, and Jesus commands them, get in the boat and go over to the other side. But it's not necessarily the other side. If you, It could be if it's Bethsaida to Genesaret or if it's Capernaum to Bethsaida, Nine hours later, they're still rowing the boat in the middle of this lake. They're at least four or five miles from their destination. And so they end up in Genesaret. Sometimes Jesus has us going one way, we end up somewhere else, but he's there to meet us. 
As long as you are a Christ follower, Jesus will be there to meet you. And sometimes we don't know for sure the direction that we're going to go. We don't even know the, the road it's going to take. Well, they were, they, were, they were floating. They were sailing. They were, they were rowing from one place to another. They ended up in a place where they weren't even supposed, supposed to be because of the storm. And sometimes the, the storms of life become too heavy for us to bear. And what can we do? Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. And we need to understand that that is still spoken to us today. Not to have fear. Not to have to be anxious, not to have these anxieties, and it's easier said than done, so I want to walk you through a couple things, a couple principles that I think may help you. Number one is you need to command your morning. This is important. You need to command your morning in life, and, and we see this in the scriptures, and there's scriptural reference there, but when you command your morning, so different successful people will tell you they get up very early in the morning. I'm not suggesting that. Or I'm a Raider fan, and John Gruden gets up at 318 every morning. Okay, uh, uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, gets up at 3.45 every morning. Uh, a gentleman I follow, an author named uh, uh, Jocko Willink, gets up at 4.23 every morning and works out and swims in the ocean before he has breakfast at 7 o'clock and takes the kids to school and all these things. He's a, a former Navy SEAL. I'm not saying you have to get up ultra early. I'm saying that when you get up, that you have the right to command your day. You have the right to, to be intentional on the things that God has told you to do or the things that you're supposed to do that day. And military-wise, in fact, I've read this. Uh, I was not in the military. And I echo what Jason said and, and the different ones that we, we need to be so thankful for those who laid their life down so that we could be free. Amen? And can we give them another just a, a round of a, appreciation and support? We're so thankful. We're so thankful. And, and I, I know it's not totally what Memorial Day is about, but can we give our veterans a hand of appreciation as well? Because we, we support you and we thank you and God bless you. But one of the scientific facts, behavioral-wise, in the military is the first thing that you need to do is make your bed. Why? Because that releases endorphins because you've accomplished something already, okay? And so by making your bed, by, so you, but you, if you command your morning, this is the fourth watch. This is, uh, so in Jewish culture, the first watch is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second watch is 9 p.m. to midnight. The third watch is midnight to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., Jewish theologians say that's God's time. In fact, law enforcement will tell you that it's usually halfway through the second and into the third watch where most laws are broken. That's where they have the most police calls. But from three to six, it's like even, even the devil rests. But God is so sensitive there. This is when he calls us out sometimes into prayer time. This is when he tells us about, about things and he wakes us up. And this is the fourth watch that Jesus is coming to walk on the sea. We have to command our morning. Again, you may sleep until nine o'clock. That may be morning to you. No big deal. I'm not trying to uh, condemn anybody who, does, who doesn't get up at a certain time. I'm just saying that when you get up, have order about your day. That will relieve some of your anxiety. That will relieve some of your, your fear. And the, uh, a author, another author I follow named Brian Tracy, he has a book, uh, Eat the Frogs, okay? And the frog is the thing that you, wanna, you want to do the least amount of time. Do that first. Get that out of the way. Get, get, get to that place where where you go, you go ahead and mark that box off so that it's not hanging over your head all day long. Have you ever had that person that you needed to talk to and you kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off? It's kind of like uh, some people put off going to the dentist. 
you know, I haven't been for 17 years. I should probably go sometime. No, you need to go. You need to go to the dentist or the doctor or whatever, whatever you need to do. We need to stop putting off. I need, to, I need to talk to that family member who I haven't talked to for four or five years. I need to talk to them. It lings over us. And what it does is it starts to cripple us. It starts to bind us. And we can't fully function in our, in our life. And this, these apostles here, the disciples, now they're, they're told by Christ. They're encouraged by Christ to command the morning. And when we command the morning, in fact, uh, God tells Job in the 37th and 38th chapter, is it you who tells the stars when to shine? Job, no, God does. He holds the hail. He holds the snow. He calms the wave. He stops the sea. He stops the ocean waves. If you've gone to the ocean, and most of you probably have living here in this part of the country, you've gone to the ocean, those waves just stop. And if the moon's at a certain uh, uh, size, they'll either come in further, they'll stay out further. It's an amazing God that we serve. Intelligence design is, is totally that. God is so supreme. He has everything ordered. He commands the morning. Even David in the Psalms says, you command the stars when to sing. You command the stars when to shine. You, you command the morning daylight. You call the sun when it's time to come up. You call the sun when it's time to come down. You, com you can command your morning. I want to teach you for a moment on how to get rid of anxiety or how to get rid of fear. Command your, command your morning. That's the first thing that you need to do. The, the second thing that you need to do is declare God's word. Declare God's word. Now, I want to... I wanna, challenge you for a second. A lot of people quote scripture. A lot of people quote scripture. And they're, and they're good at quoting scripture. They're, they're so good at it, they become uh, robots almost, you know. Well, you know what the Bible says, and they're usually saying something that's, that is, is true. But you know, even Satan quoted scripture. He quotes it in Matthew, the fourth chapter. He quotes it to Jesus, who is the word and became flesh and dwelt among us. But no, when you declare God's word, Paul says in Galatians 4 and 30, that nevertheless, a firewall, that maybe this is right. Maybe somebody has cancer. Maybe somebody has a tumor. Maybe somebody is on their sickbed. Maybe that is true. We're not going to discard that. But my God says that he, he's healed already by his stripes. My, so by declaring the word, it becomes very personal now. And when we say, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, we know what he's saying because he's done it for us. We know what healing looks like because he's done it for us. We know what miracles look like because he's done it for us. We know what salvation looks like because he's done it over 90,000 times in the last 11 years out of this church alone. We know that God heals, saves, delivers, and sets free. We have to speak it with authority. You know, somebody not living a real good lifestyle, they'll go to a church and all of a sudden they'll come home and start quoting scriptures about how they're this and they're this and this and that and all that. They're just quoting scripture. When you take it personal and all of a sudden it becomes relational and we start declaring God's word over a situation. Think of a situation right now. Maybe it's health or maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's finances. But there's, a script, there's multiple scriptures in the, in, in the Bible that would be appropriate for your need. Deuteronomy 28 says, and if you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord and do what he commands, then all these blessings will come upon you. 
14 verses, it talks about all the blessings. You'll be raised up. You'll be the lender, not the borrower. You'll be the first and not the last. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll go in. You'll come out. You'll be blessed doing all. So your families are blessed. Your community will bless. Your business will be blessed. But if you don't do it, then the next 54 verses are about all the bad things that could happen. Now, yeah, Pastor, that's the Old Testament. No, but see, we're, we're streamed in with Abraham. We're part of his pipeline. We're part of the bloodline. When, when God told Abraham that all nations would be blessed and all people would be blessed, you're part of the all people. That's why we say as a church, we're for all people. Why? Because we're part of the all people crowd. We're part of the crowd that if anybody professes the name of Jesus Christ, they're saved. You're saved. It's a done deal. But we have to declare God's word. And too many times we don't declare God's word. We get used of quoting scripture. And I wonder if that's not the vain repetition that Jesus talks about in Matthew the 6th. Don't pray with vain repetitions. Don't get just uh, that mode of, okay, I'm going to pray for this. I'll quote the scripture that goes along with it. No, when, when Marcus was uh, uh, still in diapers and I would bring my tithe to the storehouse and, and yet we were hurting financially, another business that I worked for had closed up and times were rough and I, I sat in the kitchen on a Sunday morning. I was making out my tie check and, and God said, declare my word over that. Declare my word over that. I said, what, Lord, I, I, I give every week. I thought that was good enough. He said, no, declare my word. Bring, my, bring your tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Every time I bring my tithe to the storehouse, I quote that scripture and I declare it over God. And God has blessed us. Why? Because God wants to be held to his word. God wants to be held to his standard. If you need healing, declare God's word over it. Look up every faith scripture there is. If you need blessing, look up every blessing scripture there is. Oh, pastor, we're not supposed to talk about prosperity in church. Why not? Why not? We talk about healing. We talk about salvation. Let's talk about the whole counsel of God. Can we do that? Let's, let's, let's talk about the things that matter. But if you'll start declaring those things over you, if you'll start to declare those things over your family, over your children, over your grandchildren, over your businesses, if you'll declare those things. That when we got to Hickory, North Carolina 11 years ago, there was 15.8% uh, unemployment rate. The, the market was down, 2008, uh, housing market crashed, all these things were horrible, and nobody moved out of Hickory. They waited for jobs to come. I read six months ago where the unemployment rate in Hickory is now 3.8%. We declared when we got here that God's blessings would be over Hickory, North Carolina. Why? Because we're here. Not us, we. We have the power and authority, church, to declare God's word. If you've been given the power and the authority to declare those things, then why not declare them? Why sit back? If we sit back and just quote scripture, but we don't really believe it, that's the impetus of, being, of taking heart, is now we have to believe it. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. One of these baseball players gets in the batter's box and they don't think they can hit. You know what's going to happen? They're not going to hit. They're going to strike out. Coach is going to get mad. He's going to throw some extra batting practice at them. If they don't think they can hit, they're going to strike out again. Then he's going to throw the ball at them. And they're, they're going to go home. Listen, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a psychological game that the enemy wants to play with you. 
He wants to make you think that you're a failure, that you're a loser, that you can't do it. He wants to make you think that it's not going to work out. He wants to make you think that this word is no good. And he was dumb enough to quote it to the word himself. He was dumb enough to quote it to Jesus Christ. The word who became flesh and dwelt among us. He was dumb enough to do that. Don't you think he may do it to you? He'll start to make you think that it's not as potent or as powerful as it is. This is the almighty word of God. You can bank your life on it. If God said it, it will come true. If, but you have to declare it. You can't declare it. They're, so they needed to declare the word of God. If you, have a, if you have an issue you're walking through in life, start to declare God's word over it. Yes, it may take some time. I started to declare God's word over my tithe, and I still, and I, and I had been bringing my tithe to the storehouse. I started declaring it. It was four or five or six years before it really came when I felt like to full fruition, but God is always faithful church. Declare God's word, and when we declare God's word over our situation, when we declare God's word over the things that we have and we, and we have those things. Let's bring up um, verse 28, Kurt, Matthew 14, verse 28 for a second. And Lord, if it is you, command me to come. That's the third point you could write down today if you're writing down. You need to walk, follow the Lord. You need to do what he tells you to do. Peter here says, command me to come. In other words, let me walk in your way. It's an amazing story on how Peter, Peter's in the boat. And while he's in the boat, uh, the other 11 disciples are there as well. And, and they're, they're not sure who this person is that's walking out to him. Like I said, they've been, they've been about nine hours on the sea. And the storm is moving them further and further from their des original destination. And they're blowing to and fro. And they're tired. They're probably a little frustrated. And like you get with maybe a group of people who have no direction in life, you, get, you start to point fingers. And I'm sure some of this is going on. And all of a sudden, they look out. And is that a ghost? And Peter says, if that's you, Lord, command me to come. Well, you need to challenge yourself in the scripture. God, if it's you, would you allow me to do that? God, if it's you, can I go there? God, if it's you, should I do that? God, if this is you, and we, we ask for the Lord's will on earth as it is in heaven, so that we say, okay, God, I want to make this plan, but I don't want to do it on my time. I want to do it on your time. God, I don't want to, I want to do this, but I, I want to make sure that it's really you. And so he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Now, we know that Jesus is so beautiful and so special, but when Peter fails, he says, oh, you of little faith. See, faith is the linchpin that gets us into the word of God so that we can believe that what the word of God says is really true. If we don't believe it, we're just simply reading a book. And if you read the Old Testament, parts of it are kind of boring. Parts of it are kind of gory. Parts of it are kind of just, man, it's just mean. And all of a sudden, we get to this point where it's like, okay, God, but if we start to believe why it is written, and we start to believe, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. And we sang that song, uh, the one song talked about coming. And we, would I come? Can I come? And Peter here is asking, should I come? Can I come, Lord? And he gets out and he walks on the water. This middle night is 
huge in scripture. I want to read you a couple things that, that are found in the middle, in the same fourth watch area. Jacob wrestled with God in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, and there were blessings that came upon him and his whole household and even you today. Moses led the Israelites across the Red Sea in Exodus, the 14th chapter. Deliverance came. That was in the middle of the night. Gideon defeated the Midianites in the middle of the night in Judges, the 7th chapter, and that came to victory. Peter and Jesus walked on water. We're talking about that in the middle of the night. The angels appeared to the shepherds in the field in the middle of the night, and Christ the Redeemer was born, and Jesus is resurrected from the dead sometime early morning, fourth watch, middle of the night, and he gives us life in that morning abundantly. Things happen in that fourth watch, in that middle of the night, but more importantly, what happens is this, when we give ourselves over to the Lord, and we ask the Lord to command us to come, to do the things that he's told us to do, do the things that he wants us to do, do the things that he's encouraged us to do, and we walk them out, then we have Jesus on our side. The only thing that Peter failed at is he took his eyes off Jesus. Had he not taken his eyes off Jesus, he'd have been all right. So two questions I have for you. The first one is, what water do you need to walk on? What are you, what are you anxious about? What, what, are you, what are you fearful of? What, 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 what thing is the Lord asking you to do that you refuse to do because, because you're afraid to, to get out of the boat? Because you're afraid to walk on the water. It's a, it's, a, it's a minor thing, yet it's a major instance. If we, if we can do what the Lord has told us to do, and it's, and it's difficult in that realm. Peter is this, this uh, bulldozer. He's the bull in the china shop. He's the guy that, he's, he's going to go after it. Now, Peter, 30 years later, 40 years later, he's calmed down. He's a grace-filled Peter in First and Second Peter. But in the Gospels, he's the, he's the guy that wants to do everything first. He's ready to jump out of the boat. He's ready to walk on water. But what water do you need to walk on? Number two, what boat do you need to get out of? Who are you linked with that you need to say? Because I'm convinced just of myself that the other 11 guys didn't really want Peter to get out of the boat. Why? Because it makes them look bad. What part of leadership is God wanting you to step out in? Where is he wanting you to lead first where somebody else is afraid to go? Where does he want you to lead in this realm? Where does he want you to step out of the boat and walk on water so that he, and I'm talking figuratively speaking, I mean, I don't think you need to go fishing this afternoon and try getting out of the boat. It may not work. That's not because of lack of faith. That's just because of lack of purpose. You may have a water-walking purpose in your life. You may have a getting-out-of-the-boat type purpose in your life where if you'll get out of the boat and you'll walk on water, all of a sudden you're starting to make, you'll make waves. And it's amazing, a couple things right here. The, let's go to that uh, 31st, the 33rd verse of chapter 14. And these in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Two things very quickly, and we're going to close in a moment. The first thing is, this is the first time in scriptures where the disciples actually worshipped Jesus. They'd seen miracles. In fact, the, earlier this day, they saw 5,000 people plus men and women, so maybe fifteen or 20,000 people get fed with five loaves and two fishes, only this is the very first time in scriptures where the disciples together actually worship him. And this is the first time collectively they say, truly, you are the son of God. 
Now it starts to resonate. They see this person walking on the water. In fact, Jesus was called several things in scriptures. In, in, in one, this scripture, he must be a ghost. In another scripture, it must be an angel. In another scripture, isn't he the carpenter's son? In another scripture, they say he acts as though he were a devil. You don't know where Jesus is coming from until you get the spiritual awakening, get filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can see, oh, this must be something that God's doing. See, we attribute too many things to the enemy, don't we? The enemy is not that powerful. He's been defeated. He's under your feet. In fact, Romans says he's crushed under your feet. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when we walk in this realm and we look at the things and we say, truly, you are the son of God. He's walking on water. He picks Peter up from the water. He puts him back in the boat. And as soon as they get back in the boat, the, the storm calms. Now I want to give you one closing thought before we, before we get back together and, and worship one more song. I think there's a bigger picture here. I think, there, I think Jesus is not only telling and teaching Peter something, but I think he's teaching us something as well. Let's go to Revelations, the 22nd chapter in the 17th verse. The Bible says, and the Lord telling John, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. This is exactly what Peter was saying. Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Command me to be there. Command me to walk on water. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So what's it mean? We may not be walking on water but we also may not be telling Jesus to come. Jesus, would you come into my life and consume me? Would you be that water of life in me? Would you be the issue? In Isaiah 43, he says he would take care of the waters for us, the waters that try to beat us back, the waters that try to beat us down. He would take care of those. He walks on water. We sang it this morning about the oceans. We sang it this morning about walking on the water. We sang it this morning about him coming. And yet sometimes in our life, we only want Jesus part way. Come on back, verse 15. We only want part of Jesus. We don't want, like, we don't want all of Jesus. I, I, I can't have them all. I, if I can't have it my way, I don't want it anyway. No, that's not how Jesus works. Jesus wants you to say, come, Jesus, come, Jesus. Jesus, bid me come. Command me to come. Lord, I'm here. And we see this again. The spirit and the bride say, come. The one who hears says, come. Let the one who is thirsty say, come. Let the one who desires take water when the price of without life. Let me take that life. Let me come. Let me walk this thing out. Let me walk this thing through. Stand with me, if you will, right where you're at. Isaiah 43, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. I will be with you. Oh, come. Bow your heads just for a second. Close your eyes. We're going to wrap up here in a minute. We're going to sing another worship song, and we'll close. I feel like we have I feel like we have water walkers here I feel like we have people that are, that are tired they're just tired of being in the boat they're ready to get out of the boat with every head bowed and every eye closed you say pastor I, I want to be a water walker I want to get out of the boat I want and I want Jesus just to say come but really Jesus wants you to say Lord command me to come if you're if the Lord's dealing with you on something that's too big for you then it must be a God thing just raise your hand so we can know what you're doing. Yeah, praise God. Hands all over the building, you bet. I just want to pray with those people that raise their hand, or maybe you you wanted to and you're still not sure. 
hey, just let the Lord deal with you. I don't want to play the Holy Spirit today. Let the Holy Spirit just deal with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we pray and speak right now, God. Lord, to each and every person, Lord, that maybe is in the boat and you want them to get out. Maybe they're, they're, they keep failing, but you want them to walk on the water. And the only thing that they need to do is keep their eyes focused on you. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you would help each and every person, Lord, as they, as they venture, Lord, out, as they try to get into the, into the water. Lord, those that battle with anxiety, those that battle with fear, those that battle with anxiousness, we say that scripture, Lord, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And we speak that over this congregation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more song. God bless you today.